Support for IPR comes from Corridor Vein Center and Corridor Aesthetics, treatment for varicose veins and spider veins, also providing facial rejuvenation services and treatment for moderate to severe acne. More at Corridor Vein and Corridor Aesthetics.com. Today is Friday. It's the 30th of June. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. The U.S. Supreme Court's ruling yesterday striking down affirmative action policies at two universities could change how colleges across the country, including Iowa, conduct their admissions processes. The Des Moines Register reports Iowa's Board of Regents declined to comment on the ruling or its impact. Iowa State University also declined. The University of Iowa said in a statement they benefit from recruiting and retaining individuals from diverse backgrounds and experiences, so the university will continue to focus on creating a campus culture that provides everyone the opportunity to contribute and reach their full potential. A spokesperson for the University of Northern Iowa said the school was awaiting further guidance from the Board of Regents on diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. A new state law taking effect tomorrow lowers the requirements for hiring school librarians. Iowa school districts will no longer have to find someone who holds a teaching license to fill the position. Instead, the job could be done by a person who is a former public librarian. Michelle Cruzy of the Iowa Association of School Librarians says the missions may be similar, but being a teacher librarian brings a different set of professional skills to the job. That foundation of what it was like to be in a classroom, um, classroom management, and certainly we're teaching lessons to whole groups of students. It's a little bit different maybe than um, providing a program to the public. Lawmakers who supported the change said schools that struggle to attract qualified teachers need more flexibility in hiring. The new librarian qualifications are part of a larger package that also reduces the minimum offerings required for high school in world languages and fine arts. Starting tomorrow, Iowa will have a third Medicaid-managed care organization for the first time since 2017. IPR's Natalie Krebs has more. Molina Healthcare joins Amerigroup Iowa and Iowa Total Care. It's the first time in nearly six years that Iowa's Medicaid program has had three MCOs. Iowa Health and Human Services officials announced last year they had selected the California-based organization over bids from three other companies. They also offered Amerigroup Iowa another new contract in the same bidding pool. According to state figures, around 800,000 Iowans on Medicaid have their health care managed by an MCO. That number is expected to decrease in the next few months, as state officials are in the process of removing thousands of Iowans who no longer qualify for Medicaid following the end of pandemic-era federal requirements. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is investing money towards fertilizer projects. As IPR's Katie Pikus explains, high fertilizer prices and shortages have spurred the investment to find alternative sources for crop nutrients. Two Iowa co-ops are getting a combined $10 million in grants to build new facilities that will provide more local fertilizer options for farmers. U.S. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack announced the investments at Landis Cooperative in Des Moines. The farmer-owned co-op got a nearly $5 million grant to build a facility that'll make a leaf-based nitrogen fertilizer. This is the new model of additional income sources, of more rural jobs, of a better environment within agriculture, where agriculture is the solution and not the problem. Vilsack says the grants will lower costs for farmers and provide co-ops with new opportunities. And Starbucks workers at a store in downtown Iowa City say they're going on strike today. Nearly 150 Starbucks locations are now represented by Union Starbucks Workers United. 
However, when it came to reaching a contract, the National Labor Relations Board alleges Starbucks came to the table with, quote, no intention of reaching an agreement with the union. The Starbucks in Iowa City was the first location in Iowa to organize. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. A lot of times we barely notice them, but trees have a big impact, especially in cities where they can lower ambient temperatures. U.S. cities and states will be getting $1.5 billion for urban canopies over the next nine years. The money is part of climate resilience funding through the Inflation Reduction Act. As Harvest Public Media's Juan Pablo Ramirez-Franco reports, the funding will help communities provide more green space and adapt to extreme weather events. Driving along the Rock River, Mitchell Otherby, a street superintendent for the city of Rockford, Illinois, spots a pair of ash trees, most of which have disappeared from much of the Midwest due to the invasive emerald ash borer. Actually, there's two ash trees right there, still standing. And I remember we were treating those over the years. We, some of them we kind of let go, and some of them we kept. And those were just a couple of them that we kept. In the early 2000s, Rockford lost approximately 5,000 ash trees to the invasive beetle. The beetle was first identified in Michigan and has killed tens of millions of ash trees across the country. According to Leatherby, the pest has left a lasting impression on urban forest managers. What you want to do is focus on diversification of species in an urban forest so that when a pest or something comes along and it focuses on one species, it's not wiping out 20% of your inventory. Pests, disease, and severe storms are rapidly changing the makeup of urban forests all over the U.S. But adapting is expensive and can be a real barrier for local governments that don't typically budget with robust urban forests and canopies in mind. That's changing. According to David Sivier, a regional manager for the U.S. Forest Service, the federal government is betting big on trees through funding in the Inflation Reduction Act. $1.5 billion of funding over the next nine years will be dedicated to urban and community forest programs. It's an unprecedented increase one that is very needful and uh, will help to meet many of the chronic challenges that our cities face with respect to extreme heat, flooding, vulnerabilities to, to storms, and so forth that we, that we see uh, increasing in the landscape today. That's exactly what Alan Jankowski, the Commissioner of Forestry for the City of St. Louis, is counting on. He says that earlier this month, there was a nearly 10-degree difference between the parts of the city with ample tree cover and those without it. His department recently submitted a $50 million proposal to the Forest Service for work like pruning and replacing trees. The city would have had to match the Forest Service's contribution dollar for dollar before the IRA legislation waived that requirement for projects in disadvantaged communities. I would say without that, it would have been very difficult. I don't know if we could say not 100%, but it would have been very difficult for us to, to get the $50 million for sure. The Forest Service is distributing hundreds of millions of dollars in grants to local governments, federally recognized tribes, and community-based organizations. And its funding for states has surged to $250 million this year. Christina Hoyt with the Nebraska Forest Service says it'll have a real impact, especially in rural towns. 
typically urban forestry is an underfunded area of communities. Communities have a lot of challenges and, you know, limited budgets to address them all. Hoyt says the funding will help the state deal with the emerald ash borer, which was identified in Nebraska in 2016, as well as beef up forestry departments around the state. Trees are having a moment. And Michael Brunk, the Urban and Community Forestry Administrator for the Illinois Department of Natural Resources, says it's about time. Quite frankly, most of the time, trees kind of got kicked down the rung and was looked at as a nicety, not a necessity, not as a necessity like police and fire, and not a necessity like patching potholes and taking care of snow removal in the winter. But, you know, quite frankly, it should be. A single mature tree can trap some 4,000 gallons of rainwater a year, and the temperature beneath the tree can be up to 25 degrees cooler than its surrounding area. Now, forest managers are imagining what they could do with a more substantial urban forest. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Juan Pablo Ramirez Franco. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration among public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including IPR News, reporting on food systems, agriculture, and rural issues. This is Here First from IPR News. You can find this podcast wherever you subscribe to them. I'm Clay Masters. Thanks for listening this week.